I think everybody here knows my testimony, my salvation testimony at least. Our family had moved, my dad had recently retired from the Air Force, and so he got a job up in North Carolina, Asheboro, North Carolina. We lived in a hotel for weeks and weeks and um, in the mountains. It was one of the best memories of my life um, as a kid, as you can imagine. And then he settled in in Fedville, North Carolina. And a lot of times when you are the new people at a church like, at a, at a town like that, the church, if it's a Bible-believing church, soul-winning church, they're like, ah, new family. So fresh meat, sort of. And so um, sure enough, got a knock on the door, and this family invited me to ride the bus. Us, I didn't see them or talk to them, but my mother did. And, um, and my sister rode the bus, and she got saved and came home and told mom and everybody about that day and uh, my mom said Jimmy you're riding the bus next week and no mom please don't and they came back and they came back and they came back and they were pretty persistent because they visited my sister in part and finally my mom said you have to ride it one time Jimmy just once and then we'll talk about it that after that and so I rode the bus and um, heard the gospel walked the aisle 12 years of age as soon as he gave the invitation the deacon up front uh, thought that I was coming for baptism, so we knelt at the altar and explained all the things about baptism to me. And I'm like, whatever, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. But um, he didn't, we didn't go through the gospel or anything, so that next day was Monday, first day of school. You talk about um, God's foreknowledge and grace to me, because at school, on my desk, was a track, God's simple plan of salvation. And age 12, first day of school. And so I took it home, and I read it, and, you know, it's pretty blunt. Um, I'm not asking you this, but I'm asking, are you saved? Are you saved? And I think I am, but I think probably, you know, maybe when I stepped out in that aisle, I raised my hand in the invitation, and I said, yeah, I, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. Pretty sure um, God saw that faith. But I did kneel beside my bed at 12. I said, I don't understand all of it, Lord, but I accept as my Savior. Well, so from that bus ministry, where they would come back again and pick me up each Sunday morning, um, eventually, of course, there was Sunday school. I would get there, the bus would drop me off, and I would go to this junior high Sunday school class. And there, Mr. Barrientos, he reminds me a lot of Desmond Chung, Mr. Barrientos um, was doing a series on how to lead someone to the Lord. And we memorized the Romans Road, and I was a brand new Christian. And so that Sunday school class, he kind of fathered me and, you know, discipled me there. Um, I was then asked, I said, hey, you want to come and join the youth choir? I said, what's the youth choir? It's on Sunday nights. You have church on Sunday nights? I'm in. Let me in. So I went to youth choir. And a lot, every time we sing a song here, heaven came down and glory filled, I remember those songs from youth choir and how blessed they were. And so now I'm involved in that. That was a ministry of the church. It was a program of the church, if you will. And from there, they talked about youth activities. If there was a youth activity, I went. And those youth activities helped me in my spiritual growth, helped me in my discipleship. Um, there, I went to anything and everything. There were times, literally, I went from school to the church, walked over to the church building. Nobody was there, and I broke in. That's how bad I wanted to be there. And so youth activities, and then they talked about a mission trip to Mexico. Mission trip? I'm in. Let me go to Mexico with these kids. That was crazy. Um, but I went. And anytime there was um, a conference, and there were several, Sand Mountain Bible Camp, I went to that, made several decisions there. And I say all of that just to say this about, about missions. Last week, Robinson had mentioned that, you know, we have our Jerusalem and our Judea. Jerusalem was a city in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. One of the things that we noted in our series on Wednesday nights concerning the sons of Noah is that Noah's three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they ultimately, as you know, became the fathers of all of the nations. Shem, or the Shemites, became the Israelites and other Semitic, Shemitic people. Japheth, his line, produced the Persians and the Romans and others, of course. And then Ham's descendants were the Canaanites, Babylonians, and the Cushites, um, who settled down in Africa. And that brings us to this text tonight before we introduce some other folks who are going to speak as well. And something I want you to underline. In fact, what I want you to do is underline three names of three people who are highlighted in three successive chapters in the book of Acts. If 
By the way, the book of Acts begins with Jesus' own command, remember? All right, so Acts 1.8, Jesus said this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon ye, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's what Jesus said for the church to do and the Christians to do. And what then did they do? Well, again, three names are mentioned in the Bible. The command of our Lord, back in chapter 1, you'll see were perfectly followed. The first name is in Acts chapter 8, look at verse 27. And I want you to take a pen or a pencil or a highlighter, if you would, and underline it or circle it. And he arose and went, behold, a man of Ethiopia. Ethiopia, of course, is in Africa. And this man, if you look at it, look at it again, Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. He's a treasurer to the queen of Ethiopia. This eunuch is the quintessential son of Ham. He is a paradigm, the perfect example of Noah's son. And that's what chapters 8 about, is about. In fact, you'll notice in verse 37 down it says, And Philip said if, to the Ethiopian eunuch, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest be baptized. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen and amen and amen. All right, so here you have a son of Ham, the quintessential son of Ham, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. The second name is chapter 9. Look at verse 1. Circle it, underline it, think about it. And Saul. Saul yet breathing out threatenings. Well, everybody here knows who Saul is. Saul is a son of Shem. And you know what? As a Pharisee, as a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as a, uh, of the, he said, quote himself, the stock of Abraham. Wow. Saul is the quintessential son of Shem. Son of Ham, son of Shem. And that brings us to the third name, which is in the very next chapter. And this whole chapter concerns this man. Chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Wow. A centurion, a Roman Italian who sat over Caesarea, which was named after Caesar Augustus. This man, Cornelius, is the quintessential son of Japheth. And guess what? This man... Is written, what's written about this man in this chapter. Guess why Peter came to him? He came to give him the gospel. Just like the Ethiopian, just like Saul, this man needs the gospel. So you see what's happening here, right? Clearly the Holy Spirit is showing us that at the very beginning of the New Testament church, Shem, Ham, and Japheth are reached with the gospel. Now it was Jesus who said it. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. What did he say to do? Be witnesses. Be witnesses unto me. He didn't say go into Samaria and Judea and the uttermost parts of the earth and just build clinics, though those are good. Those are help. They can be tools. He didn't say go there and just help them dig wells, though that's necessary and helpful and good and blessed. That's not why. Which brings us tonight to our Jerusalem and or our Judea. Palm Beach County, actually mostly North Palm Beach County and some blessed people who come from the south of Palm Beach County. Martin County, St. Louis, Lucy County. As a New Testament church, it is a great joy to support all of those missionaries that you see out there on that wall. Our budget alone calls for $33,000 every month. Whatever we have coming in, the first $33,000 of the month is sent out to missions. Now, honestly, we give much more than $33,000 a month on average because we have people who write a check, here's $5,000, send it to um, so-and-so in Madagascar, here's $10,000. We've had many, many, many of those, and we have them all through the year. But every month, we are blessed in part because of your faithfulness, because we try to obey the word of God about debt and being a servant to the lender and because we're debt free and we're not making a $50,000 a month interest payment. Thank the Lord. Praise God for that. 
were able to support missionaries. 30 missionaries. I thank the Lord for every one of them and the ones that we probably will, will vote to support in the next several weeks. Without a doubt, we will. Most of those families out there, most of them, represent the uttermost parts of the earth. Some of them, like Seminole Indians, the Blombergs, they're more our Samaria, if you will. But for us as a local church, it is vital. You know, it says both in that, in chapter 1, verse 8, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. So you're doing it all at the same time. And you know, it is vital for all of us in this room as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ that we cease not, and they ceased not, this is the early church, to teach and preach and teach Jesus Christ. It is vital that we steadfastly continue in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. That's Acts 2.42. If you want to know what the program of the church is, it's Acts 2.42. They steadfastly continued in those four things. We have tonight, first of all, a brief video of some of our ministries and our programs that, that represent outreaches to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, if you will. Not on the video are the missionaries that you see out there. We're highlighting them every other week. Not on the video is the preaching ministry from this pulpit, which is at least three times a week and so forth. And there's obvious other elements of a local church that we do here every day, all day, and once a month sometimes and so forth that we do a lot that are not going to be in the video. So that in some ways, this video is just a visual reminder and the testimonies to follow a personal reminder what we're really here for. That you cannot substitute our call to be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem just by sending other people somewhere else or by supporting the teenagers who go out on Saturday or whatever. It's all of us being a part of God's work in this world. And that work is the gospel. So we're here to glorify God. The gospel glorifies God. A changed life, one person who gets saved, brings more glory to God than 10 unsaved people going to AA and stop drinking alcohol. That's why we're here, to spread the gospel. Jesus said it, ye, plural, ye shall be witnesses unto me. Let's watch the video, and then we'll hear from some of our folks here at the
again, obviously there are some things that we do here a lot and meetings we have and so forth that weren't a part of the video. And, you know, I go back to my, my 12-year-old self and how that it included so many things that I went to, opportunities that were avail me, that avail me, that um, reached me with the gospel, but then equipped me to reach others with the gospel. And that's what all of this is for. Look, we don't care about uh, a three-on-three basketball tournament here. Who cares about just providing a fun time? If they're not sitting down somewhere in the midst of that and hearing the gospel, it's just JTAA. That's all it is. It's just a sports program. But that and literally everything we do here, the goal is to glorify God by reaching people and equipping people who've been reached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's our Jerusalem. And so I've asked some of our folks to just mention their ministry that they work with and um, because there's nothing better than testimony itself to me. And so some of them are gonna do that. I'm gonna start with uh, Marlene. You're gonna, she's gonna stand. We're gonna, we, I had them pass the mic out because it's quicker to save some time. And of course, one of the ministries that goes into the lion's den and into this world of darkness is the Good News Club. So she's gonna share some things from her heart. Hello, church family. Um, thank you for your few minutes of your attention. Um, Pastor just asked to share a little bit about Good News Club. So I'll start by, um, not, not everyone here might know what um, Good News Club is. There's an over 80-year-old organization called Child Evangelism Fellowship. And under that umbrella comes the Good News Club, which is a public school um, organization. It's a ministry where we get the privilege of going into the public school and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, unhindered, just unashamedly proclaiming his name. Um, so I just wanted to share what we did last year, actually what the Lord did last year. Last year we had over 100 children um, registered. We have three schools now. 197 children were counseled. Now, some of those came multiple times. What, good new, what a good news club looks like is we get there, we provide a snack because hungry children don't listen. So we give them a snack first and just engage with them. And a lot in the, in the style of a VBS, we sing some songs, we share a, a story from God's word, and in that story is weaved the gospel inside and out. We teach a memory verse. We encourage them to memorize. They get um, a prize if they memorize their scripture. And, um, and then we have, after every story, we have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And part of that is counseling. After a while, they get to know that they can come back and talk to us if they need some, some prayer, if they just sometimes they just need a friend to listen. So for whatever reason, they came back 197 times last year, and 20 of those times children accepted Christ. And that was last year. So just praising God for that. So tomorrow we start this year's run in this school year. And um, we had a lot of opposition trying to get in there this year. It was, we always had that in the past, but this year it was just a strong, just a strong presence against us and just did not want us. And it was obstacle after obstacle. But I love the scripture that, um, the verse that pastor said this morning, the Lord laughs because we go in tomorrow. Um, so we go in tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. So just asking for our congregation to pray for us. As we go in, as Pastor said again this morning, the darkness, and we're going to be his light. Um, so, so far, what we know, tomorrow and um, Tuesday and Wednesday, we have almost 90 children registered between the three schools. And I'm just so thankful for all of our Beacon people. We go in as Beacon under the umbrella of Good News Club. And every time we go in there, and I know that I say that every time I'm asked, there's locked door after locked door after locked door, and we just know it's the door, it's the Lord that opens every single one. And um, we've had teachers, we have counselor, one particular guidance counselor that came by and just heard the name of Jesus, and she stopped at the door, and she asked me, how in the world are you able to say his name here? I'm a Christian. And if I were to say his name in this school, I'd, be, I'd lose my job. Um, so praise the Lord. Thank you so much for your prayers and your support. We're going in starting tomorrow. Pray for us and pray for that I get some, um, some sleep tonight. I'm so excited. I don't think I'll sleep tonight. But thank you. Thank you so much. Amen.
I've been blessed to go to these Good News Clubs um, on just a few occasions, and it's just exciting to see the love and these kids sitting there and the love of these workers um, invading them. And, and also, it ministers to a lot of our bus kids. They're there. We get to see them another. There's another point of contact with the kids who are here and um, in these public schools. And um, I've many times thought to myself, boy, what a blessing had I been in a grade school and they had come in to where I was. And so who knows? I mean, the Lord knows. But imagine the fruit that's going to remain because of it. Another outreach that we have um, are the nursing homes. Brother Chris has taken this mantle upon himself um, of helping to arrange it and organize it. And sort of at the last minute, I've asked one of the guys who speaks there to speak up about it. Let me say this, too. This is, this is one of the reasons why a lot of churches aren't soul-winning type churches. How much money do you think we pull in from good news? We don't take an offering there in the classroom. Okay, kids. How much money do you think we get from, from the nursing home? How about the jail ministry? The bus ministry? It's not about money. It's about souls. God will supply the need, and he has, richly and abundantly, because we're going after souls. and not We, we, don't, we don't have some sort of a, you know, um, a line item that says, oh, no, we've got to make sure that this is paying for itself. Um, the reward is in heaven and in glory. Uh, Rick's one of the speakers, faithfully out there at the nursing home. He'll describe a little bit of what that's like. So, yeah, so we uh, head into the nursing homes every week on Sunday mornings. Uh, we're at uh, one facility currently. Uh, we've been at our, at the, throughout our church life we've been in uh, at least two, sometimes even three. Uh, for right now, we're in um, just the one at Courtyard Gardens, and it's a blessing. We go in every morning. Uh, there's uh, four of us now that are rotating through, and again, we thank Chris for kind of leading that effort. Um, I personally have been involved in the nursing home uh, for over 25 years here at Beacon Baptist Church. I was thinking about that as I was preparing, you know, something to say. And, and really, uh, by way of testimony, it's the first ministry that I was involved in as a, as a child at Beacon Baptist Church. Um, Noni Cornett was the one that used to go um, on Saturdays. And the teenagers would go uh, teen visiting and I wasn't quite that age yet, so I was like, well, what can I do? And Noni said, come on. So I would, I would go with her. There was about four of us that would go, and we would help wheel people in, and we'd have a service. And so that was kind of my first introduction into it. When I graduated Bible college and came back, um, kind of started right in. So we had the speaker box, and we'd go, and we'd, we'd you sing songs with them. And it is amazing. Um, you know, I was going to kind of make a joke about most of the time what you're seeing uh, when you go in is the top of their head because they're sleeping. <laughs> you know, you kind of put them to sleep after a while. Um, but all joking aside, what's amazing is when you go in and you sing the hymns, man, they light up, and they know every word. And so as you're, as you're talking to them and getting to know them, just to see um, their faith through their entire lives, and here they are at the end, and we're able to go in and just be a blessing. And, and truly, it's reciprocated. Um, we go, and um, man, when you're discouraged and you go in and you see their smiling faces and they thank you for, um, you know, working your way through a message and they, they say, hey, that was great, you know, it, it's encouragement. And, uh, and so we've had um, several through the years. Uh, one in particular in the last uh, few months raised her hand and, and came up afterward and talked to me. She wanted assurance of her salvation, even at a nursing home age. Um, and so I was able to take the Bible and kind of just assure her, hey, look, if your faith is in Christ, then it's steadfast and sure. And, and she was smiling face, tears in her eyes. She, she said, I, I've done that. And so I know. And so it was just a blessing. It's, it's a great opportunity uh, to serve here in the church. Amen. Amen. And, you know, here, the thing about the nursing home ministry here in past, I, I saw some old pictures the other day. And, I mean, old pictures, um, Jerry Nicholas and some others in nursing homes, Heartland, Jupiter Care Center that we used to call Jupiter Scare Center and some of the others where um, people ministered off and on. You know, if you say, well, what can I do? You know, if you get a burden and you get a fire and you want to start a ministry like that in a nursing home other than Courtyard Gardens where we are now, um, you run with that. Come to us, see us, say, hey, I'd like to start another one. And um, you would be in charge of it. You would speak at it. But... Um, that's how these ministries work. Usually someone has a burden and runs with that. Another one of our uh, outreaches, and this has become a true outreach. I walked by there the other day and poked my head in. That room was packed. 
And what I've noticed is that a lot of the women in there are not necessarily attendees here at Beacon Baptist. And several of them aren't saved yet. So it's become an outreach with the gospel as well as an equipping. And that's our ladies' Bible study um, on Tuesdays. And so Mary Beth is going to say a word about that, please. I remember when I first came here seven years ago, I looked around at the sea of people and thought, how in the world am I going to make meaningful relationships and get to know all of these people? And about six years ago, I started going to ladies' Bible study, and that's where I found meaningful relationships. I found a place where I could grow spiritually, and um, I started leading it uh, last year. We've been in the book of First Peter. I've kept it the same format, so the first 15 minutes, we do prayer requests. And this is a way that uh, you can be known to the women in our church, and you can know what they're going through. At the end of the hour, we have a prayer request sheet that you take home. And we have seen some incredible answers to prayer among these women, which has been a huge blessing. Um, the rest of the time is a lesson. Sometimes it's lecture style. Sometimes it's discussion. And sometimes it's a combination of both. But I have found the sweetest group of women there. And the fellowship, I, wouldn't, I couldn't find it anywhere else. I am so grateful for the ladies that come, and I want to invite anyone that would like to come. Um, we have ages 16 to 93. Um, we meet over in Building B on Tuesdays from 10 to 11. Um, so anyway, we would love for you to come out. We're going to be meeting till December 12th. The only week we won't meet is the week of Thanksgiving. So please come check it out if you're like me, trying to find some meaningful relationships and you want to grow in the word. I think you'll enjoy Ladies Bible Study. So um, eight and a half years ago, I felt a strong call to wrap up my law practice and to go to the streets every day and to care for the poor, not only the, with the gospel, but also to meet their immediate needs. Um, you know, I really ha I had so many friends from college who were lost in false churches, and it just was on my heart that I wanted people to hear the true gospel. So I decided that every single person I run into, and I go to gas stations, I go to Home Depots, Walmarts, walk the aisles, I talk to people one-on-one -on -one with a smile, and I make sure they hear that Jesus Christ loves them, and he paid for our sins on the cross with his blood, and I offer them an English tract, and if they're Spanish, it's Spanish tract, and uh, if they want to talk, I'll sit and talk with them, and if they need a Bible, if they're going to read a Bible, I'll give it to them, and I'll sit down and explain to them to start in John 1, and I read to them John 1, 1, just to make the point that Jesus is God, because there's so many Jehovah Witnesses out there. So pastor wanted me to share like what a typical day looks like. So I wake up in the morning and I usually have no idea where I'm going to go. I go to this one gas station on Central and Indian Town and talk to the people there. And then I get my car and decide if I'm going to go north on 95, south on 95, north on the turnpike, south on the turnpike. And I just go somewhere. And, you know, I'll go to Delray Beach or Boynton and I'll just hit the gas stations, the Walmarts, the Home Depots. Then, you know, next day I'll go to Port St. Lucie or Fort Pierce or, or Vero. Um, but I just, I really, really love it. I like it more now than I think I ever did because I'm just so confident in the word of God. I know the word is true. This world is full of lies, but the word of God is true. And it's a blessing to just be a regular guy going out there and sharing that message. Um, and, you know, and an antidote, um, about four years ago, there was an elderly black man sitting in his car. And I walked over and handed him a tract. And he said, hey, will you just sit with me and talk to me? And so I said, sure. So I went and sat with him, and he told me his story about his mom just died. His brother just died. He just got arrested for a DUI because he fell asleep in his car. And we just became really good friends. And it turns out we did uh, a weekly Bible study for two and a half years. And um, he moved to Minnesota, and so we don't do it anymore. But we really just took him into our family. We celebrated his birthday because he was super poor and just really loved him and, and cared for him. Um, and it was really, really, really a blessing. And I guess the last little one I'll share is... I have some really good um, connections when I'm in my car and I'm at a stoplight. Kind of made a commitment that when I'm at a red light, when I'm out evangelizing, that an, an open window is an open door. So I'll talk to anybody in the in the you know next lane over to me. I'll just say, "Hey, Jesus Christ died for you, and He loves you guys. You want to you know want to read a Bible story, or want to get a Bible or a tract?" And so one time, 
um, I pulled up to a stoplight, and these two guys, I told them the gospel, and they kind of laughed and mocked me. Then we went, and the next stoplight, I pulled up right next to them again, and they said, you know, because you were so bold to do that, I want a Bible. And so that was just a fun way to see that, you know, even being willing to look like a fool can pay off. So I just, I love it. It's a joy, and it's great that that church really supports me, and they give me bags of food, socks, and uh, and Bibles and tracts to give out to the homeless people. So it's, it's a real blessing. Amen and amen. A lot of times, I can tell you many times I've been out and about, and I introduce myself, pastor of Beacon Baptist Church, and I say, oh, Beacon Baptist, is that where that Ned Surfer guy goes? He's always running into me at Walmart. Yeah, that's where, that's where what was the word you used? A fool. Yeah, that's where, that's where that guy goes to church. Um, so what a blessing he is and has been. Uh, Brother Chris Hammond, I've asked him to talk about the jail. You know, Paul Ginder uh, filled the pulpit before I came here as a pastor, faithfully, sweet man, and was in charge of a prison ministry there, or a jail ministry in Stewart. And when he went off, um, we supported him, of course, there, and then um, up in Colorado. Brother Chris took that ministry, and for all these decades now has, has kept it. I mean, that's faithfulness. Driving up there, used to go out to Okeechobee, faithfulness. Um, to preach and meet these guys. And so he's going to talk a little bit of that and probably also the Tuesday night basketball. I had to come up here because I wasn't smart enough to memorize. Uh, my <laughs> um, this is our 31st year um, in the jail ministry here for Beacon Baptist. Um, and it has changed somewhat over over the years currently we are at martin county jail on the first and third sunday mornings of every month uh, the first thing i want to do is is thank those who pray for us there's a number of you that have come up to me over time and said you know we're, we're praying for, for that jail ministry and honestly i i don't know what we would do without without those prayers we we know that you're praying for us i want to reach out and give uh, a special thanks to brother al miller um, al comes in and he leads the singing if you want to know like what what is a service like in the jail it's pretty similar to what we do here we, we have a little song service we don't take an offering but we we have a song service and then we have the preaching and and al does a great uh work with the songs and he also does a great work when he fills in when i'm not there uh, martin county jail by the way is where we go not the martin county prison a number of you have asked me about that and there is a pretty distinct difference between a jail and a prison ministry if you are in jail you've basically been arrested you've been detained and you're waiting for bail that could be one reason uh, you weren't able to make bails, and now you're awaiting your trial. Um, your trial's over, you're awaiting sentencing, or you've been sentenced to six months or less. If you've been sentenced to more than six months, you're going to go off to the State Department of Corrections, and you're going to end up in a prison at that point. But because of that, because you have every type of crime in a jail, every jail is maximum security or at least they have a, an area that is maximum security. And in the prisons, as they send you off, it'll depend on are you a high risk of escape, are you violent, depending on the type of prisons. They have some prisons which honestly be really easy to escape from, unfortunately. But the, in the prison ministry, of men who've been through the jail system for a while and a lot of the prison ministry is actually more of a discipleship and teaching ministry. Many of the men that come out uh, for the services there have already been saved. And they've, most of them got saved in jail. And now they're in prison and they need to be taught. In the jail, most of the time, that is a gospel-only ministry. You know, over the years, I've kind of tried to average it out. And I think I see, on an average, I see a man twice in the jail. So that really leads us to basically a gospel-only ministry, but for the last couple of years that we've been there. Uh, when COVID hit, they, they took the jail ministry out for, for about a year, actually. And when we came back in, we started ministering in 
a pod. Uh, they call it the God pod in jail. It's a religious pod. You have to request to go there as an inmate. And the inmates that are there are there in an addiction program. And basically, we are the Sunday morning service for them. And because of that, a lot of these guys are there longer. And we've been able to do uh, some counseling and, and some teaching along with the gospel ministry. As I was thinking about, well, what kind of success story should, should we talk about with the jail? Obviously, we've had a number of men that have been saved uh, in the jail. But because of the recent uh, problems now in, in Israel and the Gaza Strip, I, I thought about something that happened, uh, I want to say, about seven or eight years ago. Uh, there was a man that came out. He was a about 27, 28 years old. He was a Palestinian man from the Gaza Strip. And I, he came to the service kind of as a dare from some of the other fellows that were in the service. And, you know, he didn't, didn't do much. Came back the next week and came back the third week. And, and he finally, he started to act like he was enjoying the service. And then one day he said, hey, I, I really like this. I want, I want to, to add Jesus. I said, you can't do that. You can't just add him. It's got to be Christ and Christ alone. And that, you could see, was such a stumbling block from having grown up in a Muslim home. He wanted to have Allah. I said, you cannot have Allah in Christ. It's Christ alone. And he came back the next week, and he got saved, trusted Christ. Probably one of the great joys was to watch him stand up and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Also was asked to speak a little bit about the basketball ministry over here in Building C. It takes place on Tuesday nights. Uh, runs from about 5 o'clock till basically we end, usually around 8 o'clock or so. I want to thank... Uh, Brother Kevin here, Brother Mike Chung, uh, as the three of us kind of head up this ministry, I would say we average about 30 men, uh, young men a week that come. When I ask somebody to come, anytime I'm inviting people to come and they look at me, I say, don't worry, I'm the oldest guy by 40 years, you'll have fun, you know. Um, but we, there's actually some pretty good talent there. We've had a number of guys that have played uh, in college, we actually have one fellow that's gone off and is playing G League pro basketball right now. Uh, we'll start. We'll start playing right away. We play from about five to about six o'clock, and then we we have a, a pause and we have a meetup in the center where we have a little devotional. We give about a five-minute devotional, and and then take prayer requests and have prayer. Uh, our devotionals are are largely gospel-only presentations. Um, most of the men that come, um, almost all of the men that come are unchurched. Um, you'll, you'll have, you know, every race under the sun will be there, and we want to make sure they understand the gospel and that what we do here is not religion. We preach Christ. Now, we'll have a little ruckus every now and then, and we'll get a little pushback from some people. And, you know, I've had to mentioned to a few folks, well, <laughs> we can expect that because it's, it's a ministry, it's an outreach to, to people who are, you know, are, are not church, and I, and I like to bring up the verse, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. I said, we, we could have made the basketball just for our folks here, but wouldn't have people getting saved. We want, we want to make sure that this is a ministry. Um, for those who have asked, what, what can I do to help? A, not getting younger, so anyone that's wanting to step up and run with these guys would be helpful. But also, uh, I think a lot of the ministry happens when, you know, I'll, I'll sit and talk with a guy on the sideline, and then I'll end up taking him to lunch somewhere. That's where you can really get to know some of these folks. You'll, uh, you'll see there have been men saved. We've, we had uh, a couple baptized here. If anyone sees the guy that's walking around in church tattooed from head to toe, that's AJ. He's out of the basketball ministry. Um, 
But I, I wanted to say something about really all ministry, if you will, uh, of Beacon. Give, give really a word of encouragement if I can. In 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul writes, he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his labor. For ye, we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building. It can be frustrating sometimes in ministry when you don't see things, quote, happening. Oh, only have one person saved, or, or there, there, only one person did this. And sometimes you feel like you're just, you know, you're hitting your head against the wall. But Paul said, you're not, you're not the focus of this. In that, you know, as I was preparing for this, as you read that, Paul talked about, well, he planted and Apollos watered, but he never mentioned a single man who reaped because it wasn't the man who reaped. It said God gave the increase. And so I, you know, I really want to encourage you that if you're working in a ministry, you think, hey, I haven't seen the results that maybe I think I should. Remember, sometimes it takes a little while for that seed to germinate. You gotta water it and water it, but God gives increase. And then finally, if, if I can, I would like to um, challenge some of you in here tonight that you would consider being involved in a weekly ministry. If you're not involved in a ministry in, in Beacon right now, uh, I, I can tell you after doing this for, for years now, there's, there's, there's really no greater joy than to see these things happen, to see the fruit of the ministry as it comes about. If you're here as you're, and you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe you teach a young grade and you, you, I know that can be paralyzing at times. <laughs> you, you, can, you can walk out of there and think, I didn't do anything. Well, you did. And if you're, not, if you're here and you're not in the ministry, I mean, Pastor just mentioned one earlier, you know, we could have more nursing homes, we could have more jails. We could have a ladies' night in the gym. There's a lot of things that we could do additionally than what we're doing. Consider being involved in a weekly ministry. Appreciate that, Brother Chris. Um, my wife and I are so grateful that we get to be a part of what God is doing here and many ministries here. And I'm going to talk about one ministry tonight. I get to be involved in, in a lot, and I'm thankful for it. But we're going to talk about the bus ministry. And uh, I love the bus ministry. That's how I was started coming to church when I was just a kid. And uh, I hope if I could do just a couple of things tonight is to enlist you to do two things. Number one, pray for our bus ministry. Um, pray that God could do what we can't. His spirit will go before us. And then number two, participate. Um, our bus ministry typically on a normal Sunday and Wednesday, my wife and I will get up and uh, we'll drive the van out on Sundays to uh, North Lake Boulevard and we'll pick up uh, Montserrat and her brother and uh, Angel and Sophia, if you haven't met them, they're fairly new coming to our, our church and we'll get them and then we'll run into town in, uh, here on Indian Town Road and we'll pick up Johan who's here tonight and uh, sometimes Kiara and uh, then we have Miss Carol from Courtyard Gardens, we're able to minister to her that way, picking her up and um, then on Wednesday nights, I'll take Logan with me and Titus, and we'll go back out to North Lake. Um, that's always fun in rush hour traffic, right? Going I-95, and we'll pick the kids up again for Beacon Kids Club and uh, take them home after that, and it's a, it's a late night, um, but it's a wonderful time. Sometimes we'll grab a bite to eat, and if you're ever wondering what's effective with working with children and young people, you eat with them and you play with them. So, you know, I like to jump into dodgeball, especially with the kids and stuff like that, especially if they've irritated me that day. Dodgeball is always a great remedy. Um, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, I, I would like to grow the ministry. At this point, it's, it's kind of being maintained because we're going far out to North Lake and we're running in town. And so if there's anybody that would like to pray about helping with that, honestly, I would like to not drive so I can be in the back of the bus 
ministering back there because some a lot of the great ministry and bus ministry takes place on the ride um, and so if you want to pray about helping out with that ministry um, I'd really appreciate it participating in it we need a, maybe a driver or somebody to take one of the you know go into Jupiter or, or go into North Lake so we can do more and you saw in the pictures there we, we did a Bible club in, in Montserrat's neighborhood over there we just brought a soccer ball with us and a bag of chips and so let's see what happens and 15 kids came out to play soccer. We were able to give the gospel to them. And I hope and pray that there would be somebody here that would jump in and say, I want to be a help in that ministry. Um, I'd love to have you. I'm sure there's another Pastor Blaylock out there somewhere that can be reached, or even worse, me. So, um, but uh, we're so grateful for what God has done. And we've seen some kids baptized so far. But please pray about the ministry that we see soul saved. And that, um, and then we can get some more people participating in it. So, thank you so much. I know, in the interest of time, we're done this evening. So, I was going to mention kids' club and visitation and VBS, but I'll just say this instead: you cannot look at the focus and concentrated and short life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ and not see His intense love of children and young people. You can't. So much so, he placed one on his lap and he said, unless you become as one of these, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. But the adults, they're like, no, no, no children, no children, no adults only, intelligent people only, please. He said, suffer them to come unto me. And that is his heart. And I've said this before and I'll say this many times over. It is a privilege and an honor to work with our young people and our children. Um, for VBS, you hear a lot of dark things that happen to young people around the world. You get discouraged. But when you work with children and teenagers, you learn truly what it means to first grade it or see that is in you than he that is in the world. Because these kids come for VBS. I like to call it the all-hands-on-deck ministry. You all know that very well. The whole church gets involved. A wonderful collaborative project. Decorations take amazing work. Feeding all the kids. One more nuggets over and over again. But when you see these kids sit in these pews right here, this section during lesson time, even all the way up to third to sixth grade, which I teach, you would think the things that we take for granted here that there is a God and his name is Jesus Christ and he made you and he formed you and he knows you and he is the only one who truly loves you. Their eyes widen. They can't believe. They're in shock and awe. And then you see these, these parents come through the doors and they stand over here and they're hearing the songs that we hear all the time. We're sick of singing them. And they're sitting there and they're going like this. And they're thinking and they're contemplating and they're hearing. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And for our kids club, which is another hard, crazy project, um, a lot of work, but fruitful. One of the greatest things I love about teaching our young people is they have a thirst and a hunger for God's word. And a lot of my lessons simply come out of their desire to know more or a question they ask me. One teenager came up to me and said, Andy, what am I gonna do in the world that is demanding to say the right gender? What do I do about misgendering? What would you say? What would your answer be? What does the Bible say? And it is a privilege and an honor to disciple and help tra train them and teach them. And all I'll say about visitation real quick, this is one of the little handouts we give, you know, one of these. I will tell you that after COVID, there has been a concentrated animosity, obviously. For people, we try to be respectful. We don't ring the doorbell 50 times. Are you home? Ding, 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 ding. You know, we ever a baby crying. We know you're in there. We try to be respectful. <laughs> we try to be. Um, but there is fruit that I could go on forever and talk about. But all I will say, again, is greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God's cause is marching on, and especially with young people. It is discouraging to look out in the world and see the direction that young people are going, but the gospel still saves and changes lives, especially in the heart of young people. I'll say this in closing. One kid came up to me and said, what is... They ask the classic question, right? What is the meaning of life? Why are we here? I can say the same thing tonight for all of us. The only reason that you or I are here is because of God, right? But the only reason that we remain here, that you will still be here tomorrow, is because someone else needs God. All God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time tonight. We ask, Lord, always to have your perspective on these things, all these ministries, all of this work, all of this toil, 
Again, it's not to gain an advantage for money or popularity or fame or notoriety, but it's simply to have your heart for souls. Every morning when your son opened his eyes, he did not see business and industry and politics. He simply saw fields white unto harvest. Help us to see in everywhere we go, Lord, souls, an opportunity to reach them. Help us to have your heart and your perspective always in all these things. And bless us as a church, not for ourselves. Don't minister simply to us. Help us not be ministered unto, but to minister and to give our lives a ransom for many because that's what you've done for us. Help us always, Lord, in this time we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.